Welcome to Most Popular. I'm Adrienne Trierbenik. On today's podcast, I'm talking about funny women with Dr. Sarah Fryett. In 2015, Bitch Media, which is widely acknowledged as one of the key feminist media sites, published an article called We Crunched the Numbers on How Much Stage Time Female Comedians Get. They looked at the New York comedy club, Caroline's, and at all stand-up lineups since 2011. And the author, Caitlin Mitchell, found the following. In 2011, women made up 20.1% of MCs, 15.8% of comics, and 6.1% of headlining comics. By 2014, women made up 33% of MCs, 16.2% of comics, and 7.8% of headliners. It's a jump, yeah, but it's still not great. In 2017, comedian Meredith Ketchell did her own data collection. She looked at gender imbalance in booking stand-up comedians, and she found that, regardless of who was producing a show, performers were still dominantly male. Also in 2017, the website Vulture published a story called Here's a Small but Important Bit of Progress for Women in Comedy. They pointed out that of the 20 Netflix specials for comedians that were released in 2016, only two featured women. This picked up a little in 2017, but women remain significantly less represented for net for Netflix, and Netflix is arguably a giant in the streaming industry. And yet, many funny women have amassed amazing followings and are doing comedy that is both parts hilarious and deep in critical thought. Um, from Ali Wong's two Netflix specials, in which she's pregnant for both and giving real talk about birthing and parenting, to Eliza Schlesinger's stand-up, which really cleverly connects the girl world of dating with gender inequality. Wanda Sykes' stand-up presents commentary on living life with her French wife and their, their children, which are, who are white. Um, and Amy Schumer used her pregnancy and childbirth announcements as a way to shine a light on voter registration, progressive candidates that she liked, and the separation of children at the U.S.-Mexico border. The inspiration for this interview and this episode came from one of my favorites, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones is on SNL. Um, the last episode of this season of SNL that, an- that ended in 2019, she came on to Weekend Update and did a piece about reproductive rights. And in the middle of her rant and in the middle of making people laugh about how insane it is that a lot of the things we're revisiting with reproductive rights are still something we have to talk about in 2019, um, she did this thing where she said, I am 200 and some pounds. You can't make me feel small. And it was this moment of addressing inequality and the fact that women are expected to feel small that really sat with me. Uh, If you don't follow Leslie Jones on Instagram, please do. Her discussion and her commentary on things like like the U.S. women's soccer win are very much worth um, spending some time with her stories. One of the best parts I think of most popular is I get to show how areas like gender studies and social inequality play out in pop culture. And today my guest and I are attempting this by talking about funny women. So Dr. Sarah Fryett is an assistant professor in the Department of English and Writing at the University of Tampa. Her work revolves around feminist and queer theory, as well as philosophy, media studies, and humor. Her most recent publication analyzes how comedic moments in bromance films 
support and maintain a hegemonic masculinity. So for those of you who aren't familiar, hegemonic masculinity is also sometimes called toxic masculinity now. It's this idea that there are traits of dominance all men must show. She has a forthcoming piece examining how the BBC America thriller Orphan Black transcends the traditional images of the heroine, and she contributed essays to two of my books, um, most notably The Politics of Gender, where she talked about Samantha Bee's show Full Frontal. I am very, very excited to welcome Sarah to Most Popular. Before I move to the interview, one quick note. In the opening seconds, you will hear my dog barking. Even though I was three rooms away and shut in a closet, my dog Clara and her never-ending feud with a squirrel, the same squirrel, mind you, came through and made a guest appearance, so I'm very sorry about, about that. And now, let's talk about Funny Women with Sarah Fryett. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Most Popular. Oh, thank you so much, Adrian, for having me. I am so excited to have this conversation. I wanted to um, tell you what got me thinking about uh, doing an episode on women in comedy, because I think um, it's really going to relate to the stuff we're going to talk about. So did you see um, the last, I think it was the last episode of Saturday Night Live, and Leslie Jones did a piece on Weekend Update about uh, reproductive rights? Yes, I did. And she started yelling, you can't make me feel small. Um, that really made me start to wonder uh, more about how we could dig into, as academics and as feminists and as people who are just generally interested in funny women, how we could dig into it more. And I think we probably have something in common where we like funny women who are also making some sort of statement. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Let's talk about this. So what relationship do you see between gender and comedy? Well, I think, first of all, it's a fantastic question, and, and it could go in a variety of, of different um, directions. But, like, when I ask students in class, you know, who are your favorite comedians, um, most of the time the response, right, is Kevin Hart, or mm -hmm. Gabriel Iglesias, right? And, and so the nod is usually towards male comedians. And I even find myself sometimes thinking, you know, of the greats, Richard Pryor, mm -hmm. George Carlin, Lenny Bruce, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and, and so I think um, what we need to do is really uh, think about the female comedians that have been around starting in the 50s with Phyllis Diller and Moms Mabley all the way up to, um, you know, today. And, and I think... Um, the the realm of comedy is still even in 2019 gendered um, because comedy is seen as a sort of aggressive, um, loud, um, sometimes angry space, and and I think we continue to equate those spaces with male figures more so mm -hmm. than female figures. Yeah, men can call you out, but women have to just sort of take it. Yes, and, and like, you know, still back to traditional gender norms where women are, you know, supposed to be uh, slightly more subdued and, mm -hmm. and a little more internal. And whereas the realm of comedy is this very kind of outspoken, forward, um, I'm here in your face kind of arena that, you know, kind of transgresses uh, traditional gender norms that, that we continue um, to uphold here in 2019. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think it's maybe why we see so much swift backlash when somebody like Amy Schumer posts Mm -hmm. a realistic Instagram of her pregnancy or, um, you know, talks about how difficult it was to give birth or just general things that most women would go, yeah, totally get that and find it funny. And most men would kind of some men, not most men, some men would recoil and go, oh, no, 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 no. We don't talk about that. Yeah, well, exactly. And and quick, quick story. I actually was showing some Amy Schumer a skit of hers where she talks about sex and sexual intercourse and um, various topics of that. And I had a student two years ago who said, and I quote, women can't talk about those things, mm-hmm. end quote. Um, and so luckily I had some fantastic female students in the class and male students who, who kind of came back and, and we had a fantastic conversation, but I was kind of taken aback that, you know, in the 21st century, we, we continue to have these, um, you know, what I would think of as yeah. old fashioned ideas. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of in the same boat. I showed something where the joke was surrounded menopause. I don't remember what it was, but it was a joke about menopause. And when it ended, you know, the kids were laughing, students were laughing, and I had one guy kind of look uncomfortable, and I said, what's up? And he goes, what's menopause? And then, like, oh, two dear. or three other men in the room went, yeah, what is what does that mean? What is that? And I thought, oh, okay, th- this is it. This is the, the disconnect. Okay, got it. Got it. Also, they're younger. They probably haven't had to think about that, but still. Um, one guy said, oh, so that's why my mom used to take peas out of the freezer and put it down her shirt. It's like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's all coming together now. <laughs> um, what do you think makes comedy feminist? I'm sorry, what do I think? Com- what, can you repeat that? What do you think makes comedy feminist? Feminist. Oh, what a fantastic question again. Um, I think... If I were to boil it down into one sentence, I would say any comedy that promotes equality, mm-hmm. whether that equality is um, related to gender, whether it's related to sexuality, whether it's related to race, whether it's related to religion, um, if, if the comedy in some capacity calls attention to our various institutions or systems that keep individuals oppressed um, and discriminate against um, various groups. If if a comedian does that, I would say that it is feminist. And and as a quick side note, I think um, there can definitely be male comedians who are are feminist as well. Um, John Oliver, I think, does a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, talking about um, you know, again, various discriminations um, that that exist. So. Yeah, there's a podcast called Love It or Leave It with John Lovett that hosts it, and he seems to make a very intentional decision to have. Um, if not all women on stage with him, he, he records live. So if not all women on stage is a panel, um, mm. half and half. So half women, half men. And it seems to be very intentional on his part. And, and he seems to bring in not just women, but women of color, non-binary, um, um, yes. you know, non-gender conforming and all of that, uh, into the mix. And that's refreshing, you know, it, without a doubt. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, so those voices one term that's very common in gender studies and um, is this term heteronormative, which, you know, basically means that heterosexuality is, is the norm. Um, but I think we see a lot of um, women, whether they be LGBTQIA, cisgender, challenging that uh, in, in comedy. 
Um, and we saw that we've talked about Nanette when we were emailing. We've discussed Nanette. Yeah. I have found Nanette to be a litmus test for uh, people in my life where I have said, have you seen Nanette? And if they say yes, I think, okay, we're still, we can still hang. And if they say no, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Go to Netflix. We, we can't be friends. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Take the hour and a half or hour and 15, whatever it is, watch Nanette. Um, but I think people like, like Hannah Gatsby are, are starting to challenge this idea of what heteronormative is. Uh, in comedy, can you think of anyone else or anybody that you think kind of challenges that that norm? I would say um, Wanda Sykes would be the first person that would yeah. come to my mind. Me too. Actually, she has an older skit um, where she reverses the traditional coming out narrative that we hear a lot about in, in media um, in various spaces. And so instead of coming out gay, she comes out black to her mother. <laughs> it's an imagined, it's an imagined conversation, obviously. <laughs> um, and it sort of touches on all of these points that are part of the coming out narrative. So her mom's like, well, what did I do? Right. How, how is this my fault? Maybe I let you watch you know, yeah. too many shows and, or you've been <laughs> hanging around those gay people, right? And so, so what she does in this complete reversal um, is, is to, in fact, really challenge that heteronormative um, narrative on, on multiple levels um, and kind of calling out our obsession with the coming out narrative and how that is often the, you know, the focus of television shows or films or what have you. Um, and so I, I think Wanda Sykes would be sort of right up there um, but, you know, Hannah Gatsby just does a phenomenal job throughout her piece. And I, and I think not only is she challenging heteronormativity, but I think in some sense she's also challenging the genre of, of what it means to be a female stand-up comedian um, um, as well throughout the piece. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of challenge of the gays with her. Like, And for, yeah. you know, anyone who's not aware, gays, G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S. Um, there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of challenging of the male gaze with her just in her appearance, in the way she stands, she stands very authoritative, um, on stage. Yes. She kind of has her legs open a little bit and she's, you can tell that she's got this very like, um, um, I'm standing here presence and, and you can, you're not going to move me with your, you know, whatever. Uh, well, it, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go. I think I, I think those are all um, fantastic points. And, and toward the end of that particular piece, Nanette, she actually says directly to the audience, I, I am angry. Mm -hmm. um, and she switches in some sense away from this sort of comedic, slightly more relaxed tone into um, this. It is time for you to listen to me and my experiences and the trauma that I have been through in, in my life, and, and you should pay attention. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very, very powerful and poignant uh, there at the end when, when she asks us to think about how the world is gendered, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and how when we look at people, we need to place them into a male or female box. And if we cannot do that, we become uncomfortable, right? Um, and, and upset and uh, violence ensues in some circumstances. Mm -hmm. And she is really calling out um, all of that 
in in that particular comedic, I kind of want to put in quotes, um, piece. And then she circled, the thing I think that's brilliant about it is she also circles back to the comedy where she says um, the stuff about self-deprecation, right? Where she says, yeah. you know, I, I could make a great living and I have made a living deprecating, being self-deprecated, yes. deprecative. I don't, I don't know the, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah. she, but yeah. she says, I've done well doing this and I can't do it anymore because it means yeah. taking apart a little piece of myself. So you may be laughing at me, making fun of myself, but it's not making me feel um, good about who I am. And I think that's important because I think one of the trends you see with women is that they need to be, they need to have that. They need to make fun of themselves and allow yeah. other people to laugh at them as, instead of being in on the joke. I think that's the difference. Yes, I, I think, I think you're right. And that there are a number of female comedians kind of use themselves um, as the, the brunt of the humor. I mean, and, and to be fair, I think a number of male comedians, Kevin Hart, Gabriel yeah. Iglesias, yep. you know, childhood and, and all kinds of other things do, do it as well. But, but I think, you know, it would be interesting to really think about how that self-deprecating humor is used um, by women versus by men, actually, that, you know, would be yeah. an interesting project. And yeah, especially yeah. women um, like Gatsby who don't fit into traditional gender norms, right? And she's proud of right. it. She actually is quite um, happy with, with where she is. But that piece stuck out to me that, you know, I can't, when you're already part of an oppressed group, um, making yourself feel more less than or more other is not good for your soul. That, that stuck with me. Yeah. Um, we've already, we've talked about this a little bit, but uh how do we, how do you think comedy is used to inform people about inequality? I think, I mean, I would probably take us to some specific examples um, in order to uh, illustrate a point. For example, um, Amy Schumer has uh, a parody piece called um, At Nutters. And so it's a parody of Hooters. Right. And so instead of the, you know, women very scantily clad, they have there are these men in very, very tight, like what look to be like wrestling um, jumpsuits, if you will. <laughs> and, and I think and she brings, you know, some of her friends. I mean, it's, it's, it's a skit from from her show from Inside Amy Schumer. But um, and so they're kind of they're kind of oogling the guys, but then everyone is a little uncomfortable. And so for, for example, I think in that particular skit, what she does through the reversal um, is, is to challenge the objectification of women. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and to get us to really think about what we are doing in those particular spaces and, and, and why we are there and um, you know, a little bit deeper about that. Um, kind of space. Um, I, and there are a variety of other examples. For example, Wanda Sykes has a fabulous, fabulous skit um, where she talks about wanting a detachable pussy mm -hmm. so that she can go running at night and not have to worry. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, you know, it's 12 o'clock midnight. I feel like going for a run. Let me leave my me leave my pussy at home and then you know if someone if someone comes up to her she can be like oh you know don't have it with me today <laughs> yeah i'm doing a terrible impression of it but yeah 
um, what what I think that skit then does right is is calling attention to the fact that we exist in in what I would term a rape culture, right? Yeah. Another sort of academic term I'm throwing out there, but um, where violence and assault against women. Um, whether that is actual physical violence or it's simply harassment, like a whistling, you know, as you walk down the road, right? We, we live in a culture that condones uh, those behaviors um, and, and does not attempt to eradicate them in, in any way, shape or form. Right. So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the genius of that that point, too, that, you know, hey, if you just didn't have one, rape culture would just be so mm-hmm. easy, just be so easy to move through life. Um yeah, I think Amy Schumer did a did something similar with that with the twelve angry men inside Amy Schumer, yeah. where she flipped the yeah. the jury to figure out if she's was it hot or fuckable. I don't remember which one, but it was one of them. Um, yes, yes. And then I really liked how um, Eliza Schlesinger in um, her most recent Netflix, I think it was Elder Millennial, um, talked about how you know if women want to go want to pick you up at a bar that's like an advantage to being a woman and then she says all the disadvantages to being a woman but they go back fast you know go by fast like we don't get equal pay we don't get we can't walk alone at night like she has this whole list of things that just go through real quick but are you know um get enough to get you the point of what she's saying like oh but I can pick you up in a bar it's not a big deal <laughs> right, but then there's this whole flip side of, of you know, extensive inequalities yes. that, that exist. Yes. Right. Which and I and I think what we're both kind of driving at in some senses is, you know, this idea that maybe through comedy and you know humor specifically, we can kind of tackle some of these larger issues right in, in as opposed to some other kind of realm like a lecture hall or, or I mean I do in the classroom without a doubt but but that through comedy we can think about these you know various problems with the world something along those lines yeah um so the other thing I I, I wanted to talk about and I sent this in the outline is um I wanted to talk about what happens when women get chastised for speaking out. Mm, so, mm. you know, we had um, Kathy Griffin uh, essentially yeah. losing her career and she's just now starting it to build, starting to build it back with her film that's coming out. And, you know, she's doing a lot of press about it. Um, uh, Samantha B got in trouble with the, the feckless uh, see you next Tuesday comment about Ivanka mm-hmm, Trump. Mm-hmm. Um what what is your read on that? What what do you think? Why do you think the reasons for them being called out for those things are? I actually think it takes us right back to one of your very first questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the relationship between gender and comedy? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, because uh, those two incidences, um, Kathy Griffin with the sort of bloodied head of Trump with the photo of her holding that bloodied head and then and then obviously Samantha B and and her critique of, of Ivanka there. Um, those are both examples of, of women this sounds terrible, but being too loud, I think. Yeah. Um and, and being too aggressive. Um and again, we we as a culture still find that quite troubling. And and I would say um, that both of those instances are moments where women are, are not acting uh, womanly, 
right? Or, or the way that our culture decides how, how women should act. Yeah. Um, and so the backlash to that for, for both of them, um, you know, has, has been extensive, excuse me, especially for, for Kathy Griffin, um, you know, but I think uh, her new piece, as you mentioned, Kathy Griffin, a, a hell of a story, which I think is coming out at the end of this month, um, July 31st, if I remember correctly. Well, not this month anymore, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, I, I've seen a number of, of previews of it um, online, and, and I think it's going to be a very interesting um, piece that, that will actually address some of these issues as well. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I have tickets to it for, I think it's tomorrow. Oh, I'm jealous. We're recording this in July. It's going to come out in yeah. September, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think what happened with Kathy Griffin was, was complicated on a lot of levels. I think on the one hand, there was this, well, you know, um, that wasn't a great choice on her part, but at the same time, sure. it, it, not making a great decision doesn't mean that you become part of the no-fly list and you're investigated for, you know, attempting to or eluding, allegedly assassinating the president or wanting to, you know, that, that line that people think she crossed wasn't even really there to begin with. So, um, but you know, the backlash she received from a lot of the men in her life was very telling to me with like Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper and how fast people said, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we're not going to support you. And she, um, she made a statement. I forget how much money it was she said, but she, she released how much money she had made for Bravo doing the two shows she had done on Bravo. And it was a lot. And it, it was kind of shocking to me that, that um, Andy Cohen would so quickly turn on her after the amount yeah. of yeah. you know notoriety she had for that show. Yes. Yes. Um, well, I think that's all the time we have. Um, so I want to ask you my last question, which I'm going to try and ask everybody. Um, who do you think should be voted or what do you think should be voted most popular? I think that's a difficult question. Um, and I don't want to sound repetitive from what we've already talked about, but, but as far as female comedians in specifically thinking about 2019, I I would have to say that, that everyone um, should go out and watch Hannah Gadsby, yeah. um, her Nanette, um, you know, because it should be voted most popular. And um, if you do, you can be friends with Sarah and Adrian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a small club, but welcome. Um, well, thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you for being our most popular. And thank you for your scholarship. And thank you for writing for a couple of my books. And just thank you for everything. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. It was it was a pleasure to be here. Okay. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Sarah Fryett. You can check out more of Most Popular on the website mostpopularpod.com. I'm also on Instagram at mostpopularthepod, Twitter at mostpopularpod, and Facebook at mostpopular. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>